Our God is good. And all the time. It is once again my privilege to bring God's word to you this afternoon. We will be making a break in our studies in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. And then meditate today in a very known story of the Old Testament, which is found in the book of First Chronicles from chapter 13 to chapter 15. Please make sure that your Bible will be open because we will be navigating those scriptures this afternoon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again and ask his help for us not only to communicate, but also to receive his word this afternoon. Let's pray. Father, we are weak. And you are strong. Thank you for allowing us to sit under your word this afternoon. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you may come clothed in the words that your spirit has inspired. And that you will meet us, Lord, individually, as families, and as a church in our point of need, Lord. May you stir up our affections towards you once again, for us to be able to worship you in the beauty of your holiness, that we will not neglect who you are, and that we may come to worship you with all our reverence and all knowing that you, O oh Lord, you are a consuming fire. Help us this afternoon, we beseech you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It is known, uh, at least for me, that there is many... Uh, f fast, fast food franchises here in Abu Dhabi. And one of them, well known, and we can see all over in the petrol stations and also in uh, food courts in the malls, is Burger King. Many of us, we like a good Whopper, a Junior, a Double, a Triple, uh, Impossible or Baker, <coughs> Whopper, and you know that these franchises, they like to advertise as much as they can in order for us to buy their product. Do you know what is the main advertisement of Burger King? I wanted to sing, but it's a rap song and I cannot rap. But at the end, they say, at BK, which is Beggar King, have it your way, you rule. Yeah? At BK, have it your way, you rule. That's the advertisement. This is what they want us to buy, to buy this idea that we rule, for us to buy their product. In their mindset is that as you come with, with, into one branch, if you don't want uh, 
uh, onions in their, in, in, the, in their burgers, you say, no onions. If you don't want ketchup, you say, no ketchup. You rule, you decide what you want. And unfortunately, there is a problem with this mindset, mainly when it comes to us as a believers and in the worldview that the Bible gives us about Christianity and the kingdom of God. The problem is that many believers today take this idea of Burger King, this way of thinking of this kingdom of Burger King of the world, and try to live the Christian life in the same way. You rule your Christian life. But is it so? Is it really what the Bible teaches us? I guess that no believer in sound mind would affirm this with his or her own words. But what about our lives? When people look at our lifestyle here in Abu Dhabi in the UAE, who they will say is ruling our lives? In the Burger King, they will say, you rule. But this is not so in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is only one king. If you are here and you are already citizens of the kingdom of heaven, meaning you are a believer, or if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, be reminded today. The Lord, Yahweh, is king. He rules, not you, not me. He is our creator, and he has the right to tell you what do you need to eat and how do you need to eat. He has to, the, or the right to say how you need to live your life. He created all humanity. He created heaven and earth. And all of us, we are accountable to him. And he is not accountable to us. I know that this can shake our mind our hearts, but this is a good news. The Lord reigns. And those who claim to follow him, if you claim to follow him while having a casual attitude before him that is in his presence, that only shows that there is a problem in your heart. And that problem is the absence of reverence, the absence of awe towards the holy and transcendent God. We need to learn this afternoon to delight in the fear of the Lord. So this afternoon, as we look this narrative of how David and the people of Israel, they brought the Ark of the Covenant, 
I want us and I pray that all of us, we will reorient our deep and ultimate affections towards the holy God who is our Father so that we might offer to him an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And just as David learned, we must also learn to live our lives with fear and trembling. Because our God, our Father, He is a consuming fire. The narrative that we are having this afternoon unfolds in four main, four main scenes that we will, will help us to see the rule of the Lord, Yahweh, and help us also to learn how we need to delight in the fear of the Lord and develop a sense of reverence in God's presence. So what is the first scene? If you have your Bible open there, you just turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1 and 4. We will not have many of the verses over there. You, we will need to read today just a small uh, problem with technology today. Yeah? So follow me in your Bible if you can. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1 and 4. That says the word of God. David consulted the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in all the lands of Israel, as well as to the priests and Levites in the cities that have pastures land, that they may gather to us. Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. All the assembly agreed to do so, for the things, for the thing was right in the eyes of all people. This takes place when David has been crowned the king of Israel. And the first thing that David has in mind is to bring back the Ark of the Covenant at the center of Jerusalem. It was a good and a sincere desire from David. In David's kingdom, the most important thing for him was the presence of God. That is why he sought to bring the ark and what the ark represented. Many of you, you know about the ark of covenant. But many, maybe it is the first time that you are listening about the ark of covenant. But when God has took Israel from Egypt, he told them that he wanted to dwell in their midst. And he ordered Moses to build a tent in that tent that was divided in three main areas. One of the areas, the most important area, was called the Holy of Holies. 
God told Moses that in that place, in the Holy of Holies, he needed to build an ark which would represent his presence in the midst of his people, Israel. That means if you neglect the ark, or the neglect of the ark was an expression of neglecting the presence of the Lord. If it was neglected in the days of Saul, as we read, David was determined to say that it will no longer be neglected. That's why he decided to go after it. David desired that, that the presence of the Lord would come back to Israel, and therefore he pursued that presence of the Lord. You notice now that Saul was reigning without the ark present, without the presence of the Lord. For 40 years, he had not regard at all about the presence of the Lord. But life was normal, kind of, in the times of Saul. That can be also our problem. This can be a reality and is a reality of many outside there in the world. But unfortunately, many of those that are called children of the Most High God, as Israel was called, they are living without the Ark of the Covenant, without the presence of the Lord in their lives. They simply ignore it. It was for, the ark was forgotten in the house of Abinadab in Kiriat Jerin for almost 60 or 70 years. If you want to know more about that, I don't have time here. Go home, please, and read First Samuel from chapter 4 up to chapter 7, verse 2. You will have an insight of what you are listening here. Think about something that you are looking for and that you desire. Even right now, think about something that you enjoy, that you are looking after, that you are fighting for. Maybe your retirement security or even like being in a position of providing well for your family and you are pursuing that. That's why many of us, we are here in Abu Dhabi. Think about a man going after a young human for marriage. How he will pursue because of love. Brother Hayton will do that. Even traveling to Canada to marry to Annette. Why? Why? Because he loves her. So the proof of love is pursuit. How is your heart towards God? Are you pursuing him as David did? How is your affections towards God? Do you love God to pursue him with all your heart and your, all your mind? Is the presence of the Lord felt and experienced in your life? If not, are you okay with that? Or are you shaken and drive or driven to search for the presence of the Lord as David did. 
David went after the presence of the Lord. In James, the Lord says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to the Lord, and the Lord will draw near to, to you. What about you? What about you? We will see here that David, he has... Ask, he has asked and, and conferred or consulted all the leaders in Israel so that this will not be only David's attitude, but the attitude of the nation. New Life Church, let's unite our hearts in pursuing God's presence. Let's do that together. David didn't do that alone. And neither we are going to do that alone. Let's join our faith and let's pursue God's presence. In Ephesians, we heard that we need to have an experiential knowledge of our God. Do you remember the environment or how Paul was doing that for the Ephesians? In prayer. <laughs> Paul was praying that the Ephesians would know experientially God. We can do that together if we come together in prayer. Prayer is one of the ways that we have to pursue God's presence. We were discussing as elders if we would put again our corporate prayer into our normal routine as a church. We were very worried about how the church would get that announcement that they need to come maybe one hour before the service for us to pray. But guess what? We are not here to do our will. God rules, and he told us that my house shall be called the house of, of prayer. It's not of our business as elder to change that, but to equip the church to obey the Lord. That's why we are calling you to come next Sunday for us to pray together and seek the face of the Lord. You will see very clear if you... You, 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 that the Chronicles, or the author of the, leaf of the book of the Chronicles, he kind of changed the sequence of the event from his sources, which is First Samuel chapter 5 and chapter 6, for him to write this portion here. And he has done that so that we may see David's true priority in his life, which was his commitment to God. He, David, as the Yahweh king, needed to learn to seek the Lord in all aspects of his, his life. And he did that. If you just glance quickly to chapter 14 and see with me verse 2, we read there, and David knew that the Lord had established him as the king over Israel, and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people. 
And then in verse 10, you will see that the Bible says that David inquired the, the Lord right there in the beginning. Go also in verse 14. And when David again inquired the, the Lord, this inquiring of the Lord was in a context of a battle against the Philistines. All right? But you see David's heart in going after God. Why? He understood that he rules, not him, even in position of a king. But as the narrative continues, notice that the author of Chronicles does not say in this verse what he doesn't say in this verse. So he says that clearly in the verses that we just read, that David consulted and inquired everyone except who? Except God, the Lord. You don't see that in this verse. And I believe that it is on, the, on purpose that the author is doing that for the things that we will be reading in a minute. So David sought him with zeal, sought God with zeal, but without knowledge. He sought the Lord with sincerity of the heart. He wanted God near him, but he neglected God's clear instruction on how the ark should be transported. When we seek him, we acknowledge that he is king. And the word of the king is his law. Why we do say that? Because of what we see in the second scene here, which is the main one that we want really to understand this afternoon. The second scene of this narrative is from verse 5 to verse 14. Follow with me from verse 5 to verse 8. So David assembled all the Israel from the Nile of Egypt to Lebo Hamta to bring the ark of the the, uh, the ark of God from Kriat Jerin. And David and all Israel went up to Bala, that is to Kriat Jerin, that belongs to Judah, to bring up for, from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord, who sits enthroned above the cherubims. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ayo were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before the Lord, before God, with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. So David just took all Israel. They went to Kriadjarin where the, the Ark of the Covenant was in the house of Abinadab. They took a cart, pay attention on that, with animals, and they put the, the Ark of the Covenant in the cart. And they are coming in a worship service to the Lord because the presence of the Lord is coming. They are all singing. But see what's happened afterwards. Read verse 9 with me. And when they came to the threshing floor of Shidon, Uzzah put out his hand and take hold of the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. 
and he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark and he died there before God. And David was angry because the Lord was broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Paris Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day. And he said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not take the ark home into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obededon the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obededon in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obededon and all that he had. Brothers and sisters, how does the God rule? He rules by his word. The word of the king is a law. So for us to understand what happened here, here, we need to be aware of God's instructions to Moses regarding the Ark of the Covenant and how it should be moved from one place to another. How the Israelites should transport the, the Ark of the Covenant. We don't have time to read everything, so you can just note down. First of all, the Ark of the Covenant should be covered by Aaron, the high priest, and his sons. Numbers 4, verse 5 and 6, and verse 15. Numbers 4, verse 5 and 6, and verse 15. Second, the Ark should be carried only by priests, the sons of Kohatat, but they could not touch or look into the, the ark. What did Uzzah did? He just touched the ark or even other furniture of the uh, sanctuary or the tent. The Bible says, lest they will die. Numbers 4, 15 and also verse 20. And secondly or thirdly, the sons of Kohatat, they had to carry the ark on their Shoulders. What David and Israels were doing, they were transporting the ark in carts, in a cart with animals. So we say that God's rule by his word. David was sincere and he wanted the presence of the Lord, but he went after the presence of the Lord, not according to to the way that God has ordained them to seek him. Brothers and sisters, we do have many of these in our lives. That's why I said in the beginning that this Burger King kingdom mindset can tell us that we can search God in any way we want, in any way you desire. Yes, you need to desire that. But God is king, and he has blessed in us, in his word, how we need to come to him. So with this in mind, you see that all that preparation was carefully and very delicately prepared. Those procession and the, the worship service, they were there dancing and celebrating. But one thing they missed they did not pay attention to God's word. They did not pay attention to God's word. 
at least in these three ways that we just mentioned. First of all, they carry the ark in the cart with ox instead of the shoulder of the priest. And now we ask, where did they learn of, of carrying the ark in the cart and not in the shoulder of the priest? Again, we don't have time. <laughs> but if you read again the story in 1 Samuel 4, you will see that the ark was conquered by the Philistines, and they took it in their cities. God defended himself and brought very different sickness in the, in the land of the Philistines, and they decided to send back the ark back to Israel. And how did they do that? They put the ark in a, in a cart with animals, with offerings to appease God, and they send the ark and the animals and the cart back to Jerusalem 60 years before. Of course, the Israelites, they knew that, and now they acquire that mindset of the world, and they bring that to worship God. Brothers and sisters, there is a problem when we acquire the mindset of the world, the idolatry of the world, to worship our God. And many of us, we are doing that knowingly or unknowingly. We are so embedded in the world that we bring everything that is in the world, the way of the thinking of the world, to our worship to God. Even new technology, I heard in Germany, AI, the cart is a good technology, isn't it? It's a car that is easier for you to manage instead of having the arc in the shoulders. It's easy. And today I heard in Germany there is some churches that are using AI for preaching. Yes! <laughs> AI for preaching. You put that AI, create, give me a preaching of something, and AI does that, it's easy. And churches are doing that already. They are using the idolatry, the technology idolatry of the world, and bringing that into their worship of God. What about you? The other way that they have... Uh, disregarded God and his word was that they combined that idolatry of the nation with the worship of, of God. They were sincere, but they were sincere at the expense of, of truth. Let's be careful about that. They preferred to use a new technology to produce quick results and to cut short their efforts. There is no easy way, brothers and sisters, to the kingdom of God. The cross is the way. God has come and died for us, and he is inviting us to take our cross and to follow him. So what was the result of that? We saw that, that Uzzah, because he neglected God's word, he touched the ark, and he was killed right in the presence of the Lord. Where are you ignoring God's word? 
Let me tell you that there is a caution here that I'm not saying every time that we sin, God is there to kill us. This is not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, if that was the case, all of us, we should be dead by now, isn't it? So what is then the application? What is the author trying to convey us here? He's trying to say that God is king and that we must pay attention and obey his, his word. The Lord rules by his word. He means what he says, and he says what he means. If you choose to disobey what you know to be true, and what God is saying in his word, curse and death is the outcome. But if you revere him, if you worship him in the beauty of his holiness and obey him, life and blessings is the outcome. Now I ask you again, be serious. Where are you neglecting God's word in your life? Maybe that's the reason of some areas of spiritual death in your life. Because we are so casual with God. We must revere Him. You know, UAE is sending many local astronauts to the space. But the question is, can they just go to the space like they are traveling from Abu Dhabi to Angola? Can, I, can they? No. What they need to do? First of all, they need to train a lot. And then I don't know anything about space, but they need to put that uh, suit for them to be able to go there. Why? If they go casually, <laughs> they will die. They will die. Brothers and sisters, we do not break the word of the king of kings. His word will break us <laughs> if we don't obey. But if we obey, as I say, life and blessing is the outcome. But if not, death and curse. So choose to obey God. Choose to obey God in your marriage, in your parenting. What do you know about God's word? Implement in your job. Don't steal in your job. God is seeing you. Implement God's word in every area of your life. And try to learn as much as you can of God's word for you to know how to live. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you fear him, you fear his word, and you have wisdom for you to live your life. Choose to obey God and treat the Lord with respect and reverence. God is holy. He is transcendent. Indeed, in his humanity, in, in our Lord Jesus Christ's humanity, he is like us. But he is way different from us. In his divinity. Jesus is divine. 
The Bible says that in him dwells all the fullness of God. Never become too familiar with Jesus to the point that you are very casual with him. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the king. He is the God that did this to Uzzah. The Jesus of the New Testament is the same Jesus that did, did this. Don't be too casual with him. He is king. Let worship him with reverence and awe. As you see the worship celebration there just stopped immediately. Someone just flat dead. The worship team packing everything and going home. And David was very angry with God. Well, the Bible doesn't say it's with God, but David was angry because of what just happened. But of course, it was because God has killed Uzzah. Every time that there is some incident that shakes our foundation in life, God is screaming for us to pay attention to him. David, after this, he could not ignore God and his word. He could not. We will see that. Brothers and sisters, when situation in life just suddenly happens, don't put your fist to try to fight with God. He is a good God. He knows how to take care of us. We live in this broken world. And because of sin, suffering happens. And when it happens, don't doubt the goodness of God. Don't doubt. Tell your situation, tell your suffering, God is good. And in that, ask God for grace for you not to grow bitter towards him. God is good, brothers. God is good. When God shakes our lives, the things that need to be shaken is to be removed. And the things that are unshaken will remain. Three years later, David completes what he said in his sincere heart to do. We see there that the ark stayed in the house of, of Obededon. How long? Verse 14. Three months. Not three years, sorry. Three months. So after that, he brought the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. Just go to chapter 15 quickly. So what changed? What did change? So this question is answered in, my, in the third scene that we have. We must follow the, the Lord's rule by doing things according to the word of God. We cannot read everything. The time is going. But just pay attention to verses in chapter 15, verses 1 um, to verse 4. David built houses for himself. In the city of David. And he prepared the place for the ark of God. And pitched a tent for it. 
Then David says that no one but who? The Levites must may carry the ark of God, for the Lord has chosen them who chose the Lord to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared. Go quickly to verse 12. Verse 11, sorry, verse 11. Then David summoned the priests Zadok and Abiathar and the Levites, Uriel, uh, Isaiah, um, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, and they said to them, You are the heads of the father's house of the Levites. Do what? Consecrate yourself, you and your brother, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord to, um, sorry, the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared. Why? Verse 13. Because you did not carry it the first time the Lord our God broke out against who? Us. Not you, but us. Because what? We did not seek him according to the rule. Verse 14. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded, according to what? To the word of the, the Lord. The sincerity of David as God's king over his people has been proven true. Why do I say that? Remember that before we saw that David neglected God's word. But as he went and searched his Bible... And he saw that the fault was on them, not in the Lord. He did what? He repented. When was confronted with the sin of negligence, presumption of, law, of the Lord and his word, he repented and came back to the Lord. And the Lord accepted him and his worship. Brothers and sisters, God's king loves God's correction. Do you love God's correction? The word of God is here not only to instruct us, but also to rebuke us and to correct us. Today, pay attention to God's word. And if you are, find, or you are found in fault, just repent. Just repent and come to the Lord. If you are here and you don't know God... Let me tell you that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary is sufficient to bring forgiveness to the rebellion of your heart if you confess your sin and you come to the Lord in repentance and faith. See that the Bible there in verse 15 says that David prepared the place for the ark. He prepared and then he says to the Levite, for them also to prepare themselves. How? For them to consecrate themselves. In another word, they were not casual <laughs> this time. They were paying careful attention in everything they do. If you read the same story in 2 Samuel 6, you will see that after six uh, steps... 
they stopped, and the priests, they offered sacrifices after six steps. Why? They did not want to commit the same mistake, because now they are following God's order, doing according to God's rule. Brothers and sisters, if everyone is casual in their attitude towards God, please have the same attitude as Joshua when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the, the Lord. Put in order your house. Time is passing, but I need to, again, call attention to the heads of the houses. You saw that very clearly, that David says to the Levites, you are the head of your houses. Brothers, once again, you know, there is something that as Christians we have forgotten, which is what we call uh, the family worship. That was something traditional in years past, isn't it? Many of us, we can remember that. But do you know that that is a very good way of us communicating to our children to prepare their hearts to receive the Lord? Brothers, why we cannot bring that back? It's just a suggestion. But it is a good thing to do as a family, all family, 15, 20 minutes per day. You can't do that for the Lord. Prepare your house. Prepare your house and invite God to come. Sisters, pray for the husbands. Give that sign there and say, let's do it together. Children, invite mommy and daddy to do that. 15 minutes, you pray together as a family. Why? The Lord wants to come. Remember that he is the one that say, build a tent because I want to dwell among my people. Before we desire to fellowship with him, he desire to fellowship with us. But he is a holy God. He cannot just come while we are so casual with him. Brothers and sisters, we need to put holiness. We need to do things according to God's word for us to meet with our father. He is the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only true God, the one who dwells in unapproachable light. Jesus Christ has opened a new and living way for us to enter the Holy of Holies, where God dwells. In Him we have access to the Holy God. But if we come on His terms, if we come in and through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, so let us boldly approach the throne of grace. But we must never be casual and treat him with familiarity. Let us remember who he is. He is a holy God. David learned to fear the Lord. Therefore, he gained wisdom how he needed to live his life 
with joy in the Lord, always trembling at God's word. He learned to surrender all his life to the Lord. And this is what the last scene uh, presents to us in our narrative today. We don't have time to read everything again. Verse 25, chapter 15. So David is bringing the ark and he is rejoicing. See there at the end, with rejoicing. Yeah? And because, verse 16, because God helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant, the Lord of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with the robe of lean and fine linen, as also were the Levites who were carrying the ark and the singers, and Shenina, the leader of the music of the singers. And David wore a linen ephod. So all Israel, Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting to the sound of the horn, trumpets, and cymbals, and made loud music on harps and lyres. And as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. Brothers and sisters, just as Michal was observing David from the window, there is a world out there that is looking to us and how we live our lives from the windows of this life. Brothers and sisters, what David was doing, he took his royal robes because he acknowledged that who is the king? Christ is the king. He took his crown and he lays his crown at the feet of, of Jesus, at the feet of God. He surrendered himself completely to God. Brothers and sisters, worship is not what we have come to do only on Sundays. Worship is a lifestyle. When you are at work, when you do business, when you are driving on the road... Let everyone see that you fear God, just as David did. The joy that David has here in the presence of the Holy God, he is inviting us to experience as well. But for that to happen, we need to know that he is a holy God. David did that. He surrendered to the Lord's rule, and it was visible to everyone in every area of his life. He took his crown, he took his royal garments, and he surrendered everything to the Lord. Surrender your relationship, your work, New Life Church family, every area of your life. Let's surrender our lives to, to the Lord. The Lord's rule found its expression in and through David's life, who was God's king, and he learned the fear of the Lord. Eventually, David's kingdom will give way to Jesus' kingdom, his son, the true son of David. 
to whom the prophets once say that his delight is in the fear of, of the Lord. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. He surrendered his life to the point of giving his life at the cross. So that at the mention of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is his Lord. And by virtue of our union with him, we must also learn to fear the Lord so that we may be trained in wisdom to reign with him. In the Burger King, King, in the Berga kingdom of the world, you rule. But it is a deceptive, a deceptive rule. You are in fact a slave who thinks that is ruling. But in the kingdom of God, he rules. But he is glad to share and exercise his rulership in and through us kings and priests that Jesus Christ has purchased with his blood for God so that we may learn to fear the Lord and worship him with reverence in and in awe because we are wise in the Lord to know that our God is a consuming fire to God alone be your glory. Amen? Amen? Father, I know that it is a heavy message that you brought to your children this evening. But the truth is that your word comes also to rebuke us. And I know as you have rebuked me that many of us, O oh Lord, we need to come to you not in a casual way, but with reverence and in awe of who you are. Father, we pray open up our eyes so that we may see Jesus Christ as King and worship him in the beauty of his holiness. For your name's sake and for your glory. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.